Lord, in the name of Jesus, feed us, O God. Feed us, O God. Let your word come in clarity and with power. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Last week, we began to speak about discipleship. And as part of the introduction, we spoke about the need for discipleship by pointing to a sad reality. And this is it. A lot of Christians are still babies. And so, the flesh rules. Some have been in church, they've been Christians for like 15 years. But yet, their transformation does not correspond to 15 years. They may have grown for just three years out of the 15 years. So that if you came to church and you picked the average Christian and employed the average Christian, know this, or be real. The average Christian will pilfer. If you took the average Christian who has been in, in church even for 10 years, when they start dating, listen, the flesh rules. We all, we all know this in our experiences. That the years we have spent in church does not correspond with our growth. We spoke about what, had, what happened in Rwanda. At the time, 90% Christians. Yet, within 100 days, 800,000 people were hugged to death by a machete. 90% Christians. They were in church, but they were not growing in Christ. So, the sad reality is that that is why discipleship is critical, it's important. A lot of people are in church, but when they face a critical situation, they'll go to their hometown. Who they are going to see, we don't know. But they tell us, I'm going to my hometown. When it becomes critical and the illness becomes something serious, listen, Anything you offer, they will take. Maybe except killing somebody. As for that, they won't do it. But anything you offer, they will do. Anything, anything they hear on television, they see and watch, on, and there's an, they say there's a promise of healing. The question is, is this from God? It will never cross the mind of somebody who has been in church but not in Christ. The point is, I want to get healed. I will go. So that was the negative. That's the sad reality. 
But today I want to start with a positive. And it's this. Discipleship is important because God is offering his life to us. God is committed to transforming every one of us. Now people look at us and they see the weaknesses. We are unable to resist certain temptations. But God's commitment is this. He wants to so transform you that people will look at you and say, indeed, there is a God. So change you that the way you react to situations, people who know you wonder, ah, please, what happened to you? So transform us so that the beauty of Jesus will shine forth in our lives. Now, we are unable to have any meaningful interaction with a lot of people. Wherever we go, there's, there's chaos. This relationship will be destroyed. This friendship, this marriage, every, all around us. But God's commitment is this. He can so transform us that we'll face even worse situation and still stand for his glory. God is offering his life unto us. Now, look at the life of Jesus. Does any life be that life? Such a life of integrity and power. God says, for every one of us, his commitment is to give us that kind of life. Now, yes, there's weakness. But God says, listen, my promise to you is that I am so going to change and transform you that your life will not look like it is now. Is this not something great? This is the offer of God. So that, imagine, think about the Christian who just got born again today. Doesn't even know how to, if you say open to the book of Genesis. Okay, that one he'll find. But if you go to Leviticus, he wouldn't know where it is. This, this Christian who has been born again today, if he meets an unbeliever, he doesn't even know where to start. When the person, a new doctrine comes about even perhaps Jesus is not the only way, this guy who is just God born again might believe. But God says, listen, this person who is behaving like a child, a baby, an infant, I'm so going to transform this person that will be able to handle the word of God correctly and powerfully and refute any kind, any kind of discussion against the word of God. This person, who doesn't know, who is so ignorant and doesn't know anything, I am so going to transform the person. He will be a businessman, but people will be wondering, please, where did you go to Bible school? Well, so I've not gone to any Bible school. I've been in the school of Christ. And the path God is going to use to transform our life is the path of discipleship. And this morning, we are going to look at the conditions for discipleship. Luke chapter 9. There are three things. We'll take them one after the other. By the end, we'll see that they are related. They are related. They are almost synonymous. Then Jesus said to them all, whoever wants to be 
my disciple must I hope that this morning you have a desire to be a disciple of Jesus. That in your heart, you are saying that I'm not going to settle where I am. No. That quietly in your heart, you are saying that three years from today, I will not look as I am looking. My authority in prayer, how I handle situations, how I talk, my, my faith, my confidence in the Lord, my holiness. You are saying that three years from today, there is no way I am going to be the same. Jesus says, that is great. Now, this is the condition. If that is going to happen, Jesus says this. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Must deny themselves. Jesus is calling us to radical self-denial. There are two wrong ways we can understand this. One is that we understand it in a trivial manner. So that to deny yourself simply means to deny yourself of certain pleasures. For example, that for me, I'm denying myself. I never drink two, more than one bottle of Coke a day. I'm denying myself after eating, if it's 6 p.m., I'll not take dessert. In fact, not, we don't take dessert. So <laughs> we, we don't take dessert. <laughs> Whether it's one <laughs> afternoon or dawn, it doesn't matter. We don't take dessert. So maybe another example, yeah. But those, those things might be good for your health. But that is not what Jesus Christ is talking about. Another wrong way of understanding this would be to understand self-denial as self-hatred. In the boys' school, we practiced it. I am denying myself, so I'll bath every other day. Those are the good guys. <laughs> I leave the rest to your imagination. <laughs> so self-denial is self-hatred. So perhaps a lady who sees, hears the self-denial, okay, so I want to look as shabby as possible. I wouldn't keep myself nice and no, no. I have to deny myself. The guy should see me and wonder what is wrong with me. That is self-denial. No, that is self-hatred. That is not what Jesus is talking about. Self-denial means to cease to make myself the center of my life and actions. To relinquish the right to call the shots for your life. So that it is no longer my body my career, my money, my time, and for salaried workers, my salary. I think we all know that we live in a, one author says that we live in a, um, 
a self-hyphenated society. So we talk about self-actualization. We talked about self-assertiveness, self-image, self-love. And of course, we all love selfies. We are in a self-hyphenated <laughs> environment. So the number one that I look out for is who? Myself. Jesus is saying that, listen, if you have that attitude, if you believe this kind of thinking, know that so far as discipleship is concerned, you can never begin the journey. Self-denial means a sustained willingness to say no to yourself so that you can say yes to God. Think about, let's use the example of ministry. Why do a lot of ministries break up? Usually, in most cases, it's not doctrinal issues. Self-interest. Let, think about your own workplace. When they have been, you have felt most miserable. Is it that they said, okay, money's, we've run out of money so we can't pay salary. Those things, they don't happen that often. Usually it's interpersonal relationships. Why? Because somebody wants to assert himself or herself. There's some self-interest going on there. Jesus says that for my disciple, you have to have a sustained willingness to say no to yourself so you can say yes to God. Brothers and sisters, there's no way you can serve your own interest and serve God. Self-denial means that, yes, I know you have some plans for your life. Self-denial means that you are no longer in control. Jesus says, this is the entryway and this is the pattern. Self-denial. So that if everything about you is about what you want, this is how I want things to be done. This is what I am going to do. Jesus is just looking at you and says, listen to me, beloved. That will not bring you into deep discipleship. That will just make you play church. So that perhaps it's not necessary that you are doing things that are bad. No, not necessarily. But you are not doing things that are of God. You are doing things that are are of your own interests. But definitely, if we don't deny ourselves, self never wants to please God. Self would always lead us, initially, it would just be innocent that I have these options, let me just do it, this is what I want, without any recourse to what God wants. No, I just want to do it, I do it. But the path it will lead is always disobedience. It will lead you away from Jesus. So Jesus says, deny yourself. I'm not saying hate yourself. I'm saying deny yourself. You are no longer in control of your life. Also in the first century, certain 
people formed their idea of self through their relationships, perhaps their external relationships, the family they came from. So in the context that Jesus is speaking into, self-denial would also mean that you are setting aside all those relationships. You construct a new form of identity of yourself that it's not an issue of your ethnic group, where you are coming from. That is not the most important thing about you. You are denying yourself. Those relationships that really matter, Jesus says that you have to lay them aside. That is the first thing Jesus says. And then he says, and take up their cross. And take up their cross. In the context where Jesus spoke, when somebody is sentenced to death by crucifixion, they carry their cross from the place of sentencing to the place of execution. So when you saw anybody carrying the cross, this is what you knew. The person is not coming back. And Jesus is saying that if you want to be his disciples, we have to, and he adds the word daily to it, we have to live on daily basis as though you have been sentenced to death by crucifixion. We have to live on daily basis as though you have been sentenced to death by crucifixion. Now think about it. For a crucified person, what does he care about their person's houses? And in fact, when somebody is sentenced to death by crucifixion, you lose all possessions. Your house, whatever you have, is no longer yours. It's taken away. And Jesus is looking into our faces and said, listen, if you want my life to be formed in you, this kind of transformation that I have committed myself to bringing in your life and through you. You have to live on a daily basis as though you have been sentenced to death. You know, for Jesus, the cross was something that he, he came to fulfill God's mission. The cross was God's mission for his life. I must And so we can also understand that in Jesus saying that we should carry our cross, it means that we should also embrace the mission of God for us with the full understanding that this mission will entail pain, tears, and suffering. You see, in the context, Jesus, I just said, 22, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed on the third day. And on the third day, be raised, must be killed, and on the third day, be raised to life. He must suffer. This is something we have to embrace. 
that if you will fulfill the mission of God for you, it is going to entail pain, tears, and suffering. And Jesus says that if you are my disciple, please, you have to receive this. You have to understand this and you have to embrace it. Anyone, people who have been promising us that for us as Christians, we will never experience suffering. They are lying to us. And in fact, there's a general suffering because the world is broken. There's a general suffering even unbelievers face. So there's nothing unique to us. So that's not even what Jesus is talking about. Jesus here is talking about the kind of suffering you face as a result of following him on his mission. That it is not going to be smooth. If you are going to follow Jesus on his mission in glorifying God, in raising disciples, Jesus says that it is going to come at a cost. So, be prepared for it. If we don't embrace this now, what happens is that when the suffering and the pain and the tears hit, we suffer double. The pain itself and also the element of surprise. This shouldn't be happening to me. That in itself can, can cause you to be confused before the pain itself. Jesus is saying, Jesus says, yes, I love you. I am giving up my life for you. If my life will be formed in you, you have to take up the cross. And then the third thing he says, and follow me. And follow me. So that Jesus cannot be heading towards Oyibi. And as a disciple, I see Jesus, Jesus. You know, OEB, I'm not sure there's any KFC. KFC there. Please. Oh dear, my member left. Let me head towards Adenta. Michelle, I'll meet you. You can take the lead. Jesus says, listen. Listen. If you want the kind of life that I have, listen. Forget KFC. Follow me that we follow in Jesus' steps. A deliberate and conscious kind of living to pattern our life after Jesus. So that indeed Jesus becomes our example. He's our savior. But not only that, but also our example. So that following Jesus will require listening to his voice. My sheep hear my voice and they follow. Following Jesus will require complete obedience. Complete obedience. Keeping in step with Jesus. When he moves, you move. Following Jesus you know, in following Jesus, we would all want the kind of power and authority to raise the, the sick so that anytime I lay hands on people, Charlie, they are well. 
There's nobody who met Jesus with their sickness and went back the same. Please, who doesn't want that? We all want it. When Jesus is in need, he in fact, he could, <laughs> he could, he doesn't go to the bank. <laughs> well, he goes to another bank. <laughs> the show. And his needs are met. So, we want that kind of authority and power. Jesus says, yes, yes. I am committed to making your life as such. But it's not just those good sides. Following Jesus will also mean that when he tells, when he speaks to us about the issue of forgiveness, we have to follow. When he says that, listen, just as I have forgiven you, forgive your brother. Following Jesus means we obey. But in most cases, we'd want to follow Jesus for the power to overcome our troubles, not for the power to be transformed into his image. That is not discipleship. That is convenience. Jesus says that I am the way. Follow him, following him would mean that we are in step with him on this path. We keep to the way. Honestly, anytime I hear things about discipleship and the terms of discipleship, I get worried. The issue of suffering and the issue of complete obedience. We all know there are things we want to do which we know God is not really pleased, but we are begging God, God, make a dua. There are some options that have been laid before you. What your heart is attracted to, you are feeling uncomfortable that it's the will of God for you. You are begging God, God, please, change your mind. Well, we won't say it that way. We'll say, God, lead me. <laughs> but we have led ourselves. So, discipleship appears costly. It's better to just come to church and be a Christian and not have any deliberate and conscious following of Jesus. To at least, I'm not, I'm not stealing from my workplace. And I'm not, I'm a man of one wife. And at least, Jesus, aren't you okay? Jesus says, okay, all right. If you want to remain as a baby, then settle for that. But if you want to mature for my life to be made manifest through you, he says, fulfill these conditions of discipleship. So discipleship is costly, but the alternative will cost you more. This is what Jesus says. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. So you see what is happening? When the devil is telling us that, listen, discipleship, forget it. You can be an ordinary Christian and not be serious. At least once a while you have your Bible, once a while you open and have your quiet time. Just kind of wanting to consistently study the word and ask yourself, how can I live in light of this word? says, oh. It's too costly. At least read and say, God, I thank you, and go on. But Jesus says, 
Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. It will cost you more. And this is the motivation I have been meditating on. I don't think I usually believe it. That if I refuse to follow Jesus, Jesus says it will cost you more. So that in the home, if you refuse to ask yourself, how do I live as a disciple of Jesus? And any time situation occurs, you want to assert yourself. I've also been to school. I also have my money. I also know this. You also did that. If you want to assert yourself, Jesus said, listen to me. It will cost you more. And at least for those of us who are married, we know it. When we have refused to go the way of Jesus and want to assert ourselves, how has the home been? Charlie, painful. Painful. So that the initial cost of maybe repenting, he said, no. Ah, Charlie, Adam Jimmy. No. Jesus says that it will cost you more. The same, imagine a youth. You are in church for a long time. But the element of following Jesus and being transformed by him, of saying no to self, it's not something you are practicing. Of carrying your cross and embracing the element of suffering and taking deliberate steps to pattern your life after Jesus. Imagine a youth who is in church who is not pursuing this. Listen, it will cost you more. It will cost you more. You would enter into a relationship. A relationship where it's, it could have led to marriage. A, a wonderful person. If you are not saying no to self, it will cost you. You can, if you are employed in a workplace, if you are not being a disciple of Jesus and saying no to self, your salary is small. But it's a salary. The revenue you make, the sales you make in a day, it's not salary. Is it called salary? It's not called salary. Sometimes the devil will tell you, please, <laughs> you can take some of your salary. You're not stealing. You're only augmenting your salary. Your, <laughs> your boss is not really good. Imagine a youth that does that. And your employer finds out. What are you going to do? And if this person is in church, now imagine the way the relationship is going to be. Listen, it will cost you more. In a former church, um, a lady got, um, she wasn't married and she got pregnant. So um, part of the policy, pastor always says that, well, to help to curb gossip, he brings you up in front of the church, Charlie, and says, this is what happened. My um, sister, please, let's pray for her. Let's pray for the child. And yeah, that's it. So that's what he does. So that now, no, it doesn't become a, something people will have to cluster. Charlie, Charlie. <laughs> yeah. So the lady came to pass and the pastor told her, this is what will happen. So this is part of the discipline. 
What do you think she did? Oh, yes. No. She stopped church. Okay. And she gave birth. So we went to, went to visit her. And we bought some gifts. And she wasn't coming to church. We went to visit her. And then the discussion. So we spoke. And then I asked her. Now let me ask you this. All the people that you were trying to hide the pregnancy from, did they know or not? They know. Okay. How is your relationship with them? There are some people in church who would act, have actually love to help you. They know that you're a single woman. Now, when you see them, what happens? When I see them, I want to hide. And I say, you see, it has cost you more. If you had embraced the discipline, at the, it's, it's not easy <laughs> to, to face a church with something like this. It is painful. It's not easy. But if you want to be a disciple, this has happened, and this part of the discipline, you embrace it. It is painful, but the alternative will cost you more. Jesus says that whoever wants to save your life will lose it. In verse 26, he says that whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory. Look at the number of times glory is repeated. In his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. So, and the glory of the holy angels. So what is at stake is glory. If we refuse to embrace discipleship, say no to ourselves and not be in control, embrace the suffering that comes with following Jesus and taking deliberate steps in the steps of Jesus, what we are, what we are going to mess out, Jesus calls it glory. It's costly, but the alternative will always and always cost us more. So that when you see other Christians who are not embracing the way of Jesus, they tell you that you, you are taking Christianity too seriously. Or they, as we say, or the Christian, no. You are experiencing liberation. They are in bond. You should pray for them. You should pity them. Don't envy them. Because it is going to always cost them more. If a cup, as couples, we are not embracing the way of Jesus, look at what divorce does. Um, our, our, I'm told that divorce is like a death. Once people get married and they divorce, it's as though the other there's like it's like death. Look at how painful it is. As opposed to humbling ourselves, repenting before each other, and say, for the sake of Jesus, I won't say this thing to you. You are really annoying. But because I want to follow the example of Jesus, I'll beg God for grace. Maybe I'll cry. But I don't want to be out of step with Jesus. Listen, what will it do to our homes? 
this is glory. The alternative, brothers and sisters, will always cost you more. So if we are not embracing the way of Jesus now, don't ever allow the devil to deceive you into thinking that you are free. That you are enjoying life. No. 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 The way of Jesus is the way of glory and joy. The alternative will cost you more. So Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. Shall we please pray? Oh, Father, it's glory that you are calling us on to. Open our eyes to this reality. In Jesus' name, amen.